mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to 1 John chapter 3. We're going to be beginning in verse 4 today. Now, if you'll remember with me from our last lesson, uh, well, let me just read verses 1 through 3, kind of bring us back into the thought of where we were at as John reminds us of how we should thus be living. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, us together, all of us together, the body of Christ, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. Beloved, little born-again ones, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And verse 3 is going to qualify everything that we do today, or talk about today, and the rest of the text. And everyone who is, or excuse me, who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's our context. Listen, if you have the hope that Jesus is coming back to take you home, if you have that hope, I'm waiting on Jesus. Listen, if you're, say you're a Christian and you're not waiting on Jesus, there's a problem with your Christianity. Our hope is in Christ. It's not in this world. When you look at it, this world, think about it for a minute. If you've been turning on your TV, you're pretty beat down. In fact, we've been talking about it a little bit on how, how it kind of messes up your brain. It kind of changes the way you think about everything. If you turn on the news about COVID, if you turn on the news about wars and rumors of wars, plagues and pestilence, and you begin to listen to what the world is telling you, it's messing you up. It's actually called mass hypnosis. There's a mass hypnosis. God might call it delusion, but there's a mass hypnosis going on in the world today where we're being brainwashed to believe lies as opposed to God's world, God's word. See, my hope is in Jesus. This is not my home. I'm not a citizen here. I'm a pilgrim here. I'm a mere passerbyer. I'm going home soon to be with Jesus. And everything that I do in my life now should be focused upon that thought. What did God call me for? If I'm going to be called a little child of God, little born again one, and I've been born again, and yes, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. There's no other way. You're born once, you're going to die twice. If you're born twice, you're going to die once. It's that simple. You must be born again. But where is your hope today? Is it in the government? Oh, is it in your vacation? Is it in your paycheck? Is it in your mailbox? Where is your hope at? 
What are you hoping in today? Is it in Christ coming back to take you home because you are a stranger here and this is not your culture, it's not your language? You don't understand it even. See, the world doesn't know the Father, but we do. If we're drawing near, if we're living our life as children of God in the house of God, which salvation means deliverance from the sin nature, deliverance out of this world and deliverance to safety, where? Into the Father's house, back in the the house of God who created us. The first Adam got us an exit sign. The first Adam got us kicked out of the garden. The second Adam brings us back in safely to the house of God to our Father. Why? So that we can learn to obey everything that He commanded us to do. So, Because Adam and Eve, wait a minute, it's not even Adam, isn't it? Through one man, sin entered the world. Eve doesn't get to blame. Anybody ever read that in your Bible? Eve was the one who ate and gave to her husband, and her husband willingly ate, but through one man, sin entered the world. Man is the head of the household. Man was the first created, and woman came out of man's rib. Man was supposed to be protecting his wife. Man was supposed to be tending the garden, and she was supposed to be helping. But the world and the systems that are diametrically opposed to God have us flipped upside downward, and they have us doing it their way instead of God's way. They have us doing their will instead of God's will. They have us in the church saying, I'm set free, glory to God, and then we go live like the world in bondage. Are you in bondage today? Or do you have hope in Christ? The word hope is to anticipate and it means usually with pleasure. Think about it. If you are the bride of Christ... Think about it in the physical. If you've been proposed to and you have them little puppy dog eyes on each other and you're like, oh, we're going to get married, we're going to get married. I shouldn't do that, should I? Listen to me. Think about marriage and the proposal and and the bride. And and the husband says, will you marry me? Maybe he did it on one knee. Maybe he asked the father. Maybe however he did it. And then what does the bride do? She instantly starts thinking about everything she has to do to be ready for that day that they set. And maybe they set it way out and they go, no, 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 it's too early. Six months is way too early. I got to get ready. I got to lose like 10 pounds. I got to find that dress. I got to do all these things that we got to do. If we are the bride of Christ and if we believe in his atoning blood, then we become the bride of Christ, guys and gals alike, one body. We all become that bride. And our entire focus should be like that bride in a physical wedding that now I need to prepare myself. For when he comes, for when I walk down the aisle, when all eyes are upon me, I want to prepare myself. What's the weight, the sin that so easily ensnares us? If you wish to look at Hebrews 12.1, laying aside all of that weight, all of that sin. That's what we're going to be talking about, the purification of the saint. Everyone who has this hope that he's coming, that he didn't just propose, he didn't just invite you and call you, but he's coming back to get you, and he puts the Spirit of God in you as a down payment. And now what do you do with that down payment? Because see, because the only way to be prepared as a bride, the only way to be prepared as a bride is to allow the Holy Spirit to adorn you with the fruits of the Spirit which are love, 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Are those the qualities of the bride that he's going to come and see? A chaste virgin. Listen, it has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit purifies us. If we have this hope, what do we do? We purify ourselves, himself, purifies himself. Okay, I'm pretty pure. I'm good. I said a prayer. I'm good. I said a prayer once. I'm good. I went to the altar once. I'm good. One and done, isn't it? Well, if you believe the lies of culturanity, it's one and done. But notice the qualification. Just as he is pure. Now, I'm not telling you you're not getting into heaven unless you look just exactly like Jesus. That's not my point. But that's the bullseye. That's the focus. That's the place we're going. Be ye perfect as he is perfect. That's where the heart of a saint should be today. If you believe in Jesus and the blood of Jesus, then our focus should be to be like him. We say that all the time. We preach sermons about that all the time. He's our example. He's the plumb line. Are we looking to be purified as he is pure? Now, that, listen to this. If you look those words up in the Greek, let me tell you what they mean. Purifieth, it's ayeth in the King James. Purifieth, it means to make clean, to sanctify, to set apart, to cleanse from sin or anything that would keep you from being like God, one of his children in his house, obeying his authority. That's me. I added that. Because anything that you do that is not of faith is sin. Romans 14, 15, B. If you're not doing it by faith in the Holy Spirit who's leading you in the spiritual realm because you can't see it, then it becomes sin. So you can have sin in your life that's not in my life, that's not even written down, thou shalt not trespass, because you're not even looking to follow the Holy Spirit's work to adorn you as a bride for Christ. Listen to me. Listen, Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Holy Spirit, these are the children of God. If you're still being led by your flesh, by the American dream, by somebody else's plan, somebody else's way, somebody else's your authority, you're hoping in the government, a letter, your retirement, when I, when I meet my spouse, if you're hoping in anything else, your eyes are fixed in the wrong place. Your eyes are not fixed on the person of Jesus Christ who is the heart of God, who is the love of God. He is the hope. He's the anchor of our soul. And that's the target we're supposed to be aiming at. Why are you talking about a target? Well, because he's getting ready to talk about sin. And sin is harmatea, which is a word that means it's an archery term. And it means that there's a bullseye. There's a, there's a place that God wants you to hit. And we missed the mark. We pull back the bow and we go, look what I've done. Well, according to whose standards, what did you do? According to the world's standards, according to the American dream, according to the standards that society has set as a norm, or according to God's standards, which is perfect righteousness, perfect holiness. Who are you hoping in? And if you are hoping in Jesus, and you can say to me, yes, Greg, I'm hoping in Jesus, then are you purifying yourself just as he is pure? 
Now, wait a minute, Greg. Don't get into one of them works gospels where you're telling me that I got I to gotta do some works. No, not to be saved. But the evidence of salvation is that you would be looking to do what God has called you to do. To be what God has called you to be. To follow the Holy Spirit that's a down payment in you that knows exactly where the Father is, where the Son is sitting, and where the wedding ceremony is going to be. Remember we talked about the GPS? Your God positioning system? Do you know where you're positioned at? You're positioned in Christ. Are you being led by that spirit or pulled around by your nose by some paycheck or some inheritance that's down here? This is all going to burn. Now, I'm not telling you not to go out to the job, and not, but I'm just telling you, don't lay up treasures down here where moth and rust destroy them. Thieves break in and take them. But nobody can take your salvation from you if it's real salvation. But if it's real salvation, then the Holy Spirit gives you a desire to purify yourself. Now, I'm going to show you in this text that if you look at it, the focus is not on sin. Huh? The gospel's not focused on sin. Sin was dealt with at the cross. Yet most preachers will tell you, most behavioralists, most programs, most of the world will tell you, let's focus on that sin and let's get that out of your life. That's the only way you're going to be pure. That's a life in the pit of hell. Forgetting that which is behind you and pressing on toward the higher call of God in Christ Jesus. Quit focusing on the sin and start practicing righteousness. The Holy Spirit is righteous. If He's leading you, He's not teaching you to do anything that's unrighteous. There's no unrighteousness in Him. He's going to get you to practice righteousness. Well, how do I do that, Greg? Well, you begin to get into the Word prayer and fellowship. I don't have a new message for you. You guys have heard this message. If you begin to practice what the Bible says is the right way to go, the right thing to do, you'll be purified. You'll one day be glorified because listen, this is a positional thing. Right now, as I stand here, I'm righteous. Positionally. My soul is righteous. I'm saved. It's, I'm sanctified. I'm finished. God sees me seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But practically, you guys would say, yeah, but Greg, I seen you the other day. You was driving faster than the speed limit. So you're not sanctified in your mind, will, and emotions. Oh, you seen that? Did you give me grace? Did you give me mercy? Did you pray for me? That's what you're supposed to do as the body of Christ. You're supposed to be edifying and building me up and helping me. Not pointing. So don't call me up and go, I've seen you. Talking on your phone in your truck, driving real fast. I we all do it, don't we? Listen. Positionally, the power of sin and the penalty for sin is gone. But practically... I can give sin power in my life. Practically, I can, I can walk around and be what we remember last week when we closed about the, the prodigal son. And he ended up in a pig pen and he was in there eating the pods. He would have gladly ate what the world was eating, what the pigs were eating. I can go jump into a pig pen. But the question is, am I going to stay there if I'm truly a child of God? Or, or am I going to be convicted? Am I going to be removed from that? And when I'm removed from that, doesn't that cleanse me and begin to purify me more? Well, what had to happen? He had to come to his senses. 
And see, the church today has no sense to itself because it has no relationship with the God of the Bible. It has a relationship with its pastor, has a relationship with the people in the pews, has a relationship with the world, but they're not sitting down and getting into the word, prayer, and fellowship and meeting with God and letting God speak to them because that's the only way you can be positionally, practically, and in the presence of God in the finish line glorified one day to be with him that's salvation in three parts you are saved you're being saved and you will be saved but if you don't have any desire to purify yourself and you say i said a prayer once you're deceived i said a prayer once really well wait a minute greg what about the guy on the cross every bit of it was done while he was on the cross He was living in the pigsty. He was just the same as the other guy calling Jesus' names. And then he had a heart change. He came to his senses. And Jesus said to him, today you'll be with me in paradise. And he crossed the finish line. He didn't have time. He didn't have a hammer. Nobody took him down off the cross. It's what we call a deathbed confession. But what about you? See, you're not dying right now. So you have time to purify yourself, to say, okay, I've been saved from my rebellion. Listen, I, get, I, I just want to tell you, I get real irritated. I got rebellion in me still, but I get real irritated with people that say they're Christian and they're rebellious. Listen, the Bible says submit to God and resist the devil. It doesn't say submit to God and rebel against the devil. See, when you're in rebellion, you are living for the devil. God's a God of order. He put order in society. He put order in the garden. And because of sin, order was broken. And now he delivers us back into his house and says, you get a second chance to be born again. And now you need to lay down your devilish, rebellious heart and begin to find out what it means to be pure and holy. And begin to not be sinless, but sinless. See, What is your head? Who's your head right now? Ladies, if you're married, your husband's your head. I'm sorry. Not my my story. Not my testimony. Not my plan. God's plan. And as long as you continue to try to control him, he's never going to be sanctified. He's never going to change. He's fighting with you. If you are not going to be the first to change, then he has to be the first to change. Without death, there is no restoration of a marriage. There actually is no real marriage unless somebody dies. See, unless somebody dies, you and I can't be the bride. Jesus died. He's our plumb line. He's our example. He's the one who purified himself so that we could be pure. He's the one that came and presented himself because his desire was for us. Who's your head? Your covering, if you like to say it that way. Your authority. Well, you know what? I'll listen to my boss at work, but I'm not listening to my husband. Okay, let's take it a step further. Since we're here and you guys are mad at me now, you have to say it out loud. It actually says first, submit to one another there in Ephesians 5, doesn't it? See, because you might be married to somebody and your calling might be to be the head and her calling might be to be the, the, the helpmate. But you're both the bride of Christ. You're both on perfectly equal ground with Jesus because of the blood. 
You just have different gifts, talents, abilities, different callings, different places. But it's very important that we understand as men, and that's the one I'm going to jump on really the hardest, is men. The reason women have come and started being the head is because men won't be the head. Men won't lead. But I guarantee you, if a man leads, a woman will follow. So Christ is trying to lead us by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you the bride? If you are the bride, you'll follow. If you're not following Christ and being purified as he is purified, as he is pure, I should say, that word comes from the other word, then you're probably not the bride. And people get mad at me when I say that, but there is fruit that comes from, there's evidence that comes from the Spirit of God living in you because God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and He comes and lives in your heart and your life doesn't change. Your, your rebellion doesn't go away. You don't begin to get in order with what the Bible says of the kingdom of God and walk out salvation. It's freely given. All the power's there. All the instructions are there. Everything is right there to surrender and have a love relationship with God Almighty. And yet we fight. And most of the fight is a physical fight. It's a spiritual war, but we fight a physical fight. I know when me and my wife fight, it's a physical fight. There's a spiritual battle going on. And until one of us realizes what's going on and dies... That physical fight will continue. But when we realize it's a spiritual battle and we both surrender to God, now the devil cannot divide us. And a cord of three strands is not easily separated. So listen to me. Are you hoping in Jesus? Well, I said a prayer one time and I believe that he died for me. Is that head knowledge or heart knowledge? Is that something that you believe because the people beside you are doing it? Are you warming your hands at the fire? Or do you truly believe that you have been saved from your old sin nature and you've been given a new nature? You're now a new creation in Christ. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If all things have become new, you have a new father. Your father is no longer the devil. Your father is now the father in heaven who is a perfect father who had a perfect plan of salvation who sent a perfect son to die a perfect atoning death to send back a perfect Holy Spirit so you could be perfected, so you could be purified and not just saved, or excuse me, positionally but also saved practically. Sanctified with your, your soul, your body, and your spirit. Everything. He wants all of you to be sanctified, set apart for his good pleasure. So, is your hope in Jesus? Are you expecting him to come and take you home and when you see him face to face, you're going to be just like him? See, he'll finish it the moment you see him. But practically, we're supposed to be walking in it. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Are you doing that with your own works? Well, I'm doing what the church asked me to do. I've been cleaning the church, and I've been leading a Bible study, and I go to church every week, and I don't stay home and sort my socks, so I must be pure. Now, the only way to be purified is be meeting with God in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship and surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit, saying no to self, denying self, 
taking up your cross daily and following what God says. Following his will for your life the best you can. And if you know to do differently, ask him to give you wisdom and how to do it differently. Just as he is pure. And the word actually for him, for Jesus, means properly. It means clean. It means perfect. It means chaste. But the word for purify for us just means that we're set apart so that this can happen if we cooperate with the Holy Spirit's leading to do that. If when we meet the cross, when we meet God's word, and he says, thou shalt not, and we go, oh my goodness, I really love doing that. I really have fun doing that. Well, you shouldn't do that because it's sin. Do you keep doing that and resist the work of the Holy Spirit? And continue to have all that contamination in your life? Or do you say, Lord, how do I quit doing that? How do I deal with that? Because listen to me. What he's going to tell you is, is focus on righteousness. Stop focusing on the sin. Every program that there is. And I get in trouble for this. People don't like me for this. And quite frankly, I'd rather tell the truth than be liked. 12-step programs, they focus on your sin. Every program I've ever seen, I don't care if it's, if it's Christian-based, I, I get more disturbed by it. Because that means you added something to the gospel if it's only based in it. Anybody ever do drugs and it's based? You add something to it. Okay, that's the best way I can tell you about it. When you add something to it, now you're not really doing the gospel and you just admitted it. When you said, oh, it's Christian-based. Really? Really? I thought it was all about a relationship with God and none of the world. So how are you adding some other things to it if God is enough? If he can purify you perfectly and get you across the finish line, why would you add something to it? Why would you not try to find out what he is doing and get involved in what he is doing? Now listen to me, this is my point. When somebody says, I'm an addict and I've been doing this, and I, and I call it habitual sin, not addiction. That's a, that's a word from the world that gives you permission to fail. God's not giving you permission to fail. God doesn't give you permission to fail. He gave you his perfect blood. He wants you to practice righteousness, to move forward, to grow in the grace and go in the grace of God and to trust him. So, What are you hoping in? And if you're hoping in Christ, then you should find out what Christ has for you to purify yourself and make you like he is. And I believe that as I study the scriptures, it's always going to be give yourself away. It's always going to be deny self. It's always going to be get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. I can't find nothing else except to do what it says right there in 228. And now little born again ones abide in him so that you're not ashamed when he appears. You know how ashamed it's going to be when, when Christ comes and you're not clothed as, an ador as a bride? You know how ashamed people are going to be? See, if you're abiding in Him, living in His house, finding out what His rules are, what His authority says, what His plan to conform you and to purify you are, then when He shows up, you're going to be about His business. You're going to be doing the Father's work. You're going to be about the ministry of reconciliation of souls, not about culturanity. 
See, we are so far away, and I don't want to speak evil or say anything bad against God's bride, but we're so far away from what the Bible says. Think about it, and you guys have heard me say this maybe a million times. I don't know. Maybe you're like, is he going to preach that again? Yeah, I am. Until we get the first message, there's no second message. Until we surrender and say, how do I get purified? How do I begin to walk this out? Death to self. As Paul said, Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. Dead. Somehow transported back to the grave with him, buried and dead. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. His spirit is living through me, adorning me, creating in me, purifying me. Doing what he wants to do. The life that I now live in the flesh, sarks, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Is that the life we're living? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If your faith is in and your hope is in him coming back, then he tells us right here, John who touched him, who handled him, who seen him, John the Revelator, who wrote the book of Revelation, that everybody seems to want to know about it, but they don't want to know what it means to walk out this Christian life. John says that you're supposed to be purifying yourself, just as he is pure. So, I beat that really good. I hope you um, enjoyed that. Verse 4, and we'll get into today's text. Whoever... This is the whomsoever, whoever believeth in God shall not perish, but have ever, same word. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. And that's about as far as I think we're going to make it today. So let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us to understand from the uh, Spirit what you would say to your church today. That we would have eyes to see and ears to hear. And that we would not just be hearers, but we would be doers of your word and not deceive ourselves. Protect us from the evil one trying to steal this seed away from us, this word from us, this truth from us, and help us to understand it, uh, not with a physical flesh, but in the spirit. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Whomsoever, anyone who practices sin, oh, does it say that? I think the NASB does, commits sin, also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness now the word commit or committed uh, can mean to make or to do it's actually in the greek it's only translated commit nine times listen 
it's translated 357 times do. Doeth sin. Whoever doeth sin just continues in sin, practices sin. And I can tell you that that's the connotation of what we want to see in this. If you, I mean, because all of us are going to stumble. I mean, if, if I get, a testi- get you to testify, I know you sinned this morning. You got out of bed, you started praying, and you sinned. Everybody sins. We're not sinless, but we are trying to sin less. And the only way to do that is to receive the instruction of the truth. The only way to do that is to receive what the Word of God says and say, Lord, how do I do that? Well, he's going to tell us, dead to self. Walk in the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to lead you. Having your mind renewed. Remember our 2022, two for 22? Renewing you and sending you in 2022. Remember what Paul was pleading with the Romans. I beseech you, I urge you, I beg you, brethren, considering the mercy of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice so the Holy Spirit can work through you and adorn you as a bride. And do not be conformed to this world. Don't listen to its instruction, its authority, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. See, your soul is totally positionally saved. But your mind, will, and emotions is still conformed or still following the ways of this world. Wretched man that I am. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the thing I don't want to do, I do. Who will save me from this body of sin? I thank my God that Jesus Christ will. Now, if we look to him and look to what he sent back, the Holy Spirit is a comforter, a teacher, a guide, and as many as are led by this Spirit are the children of God, and then we begin to be led and allow the Holy Spirit to wash us and cleanse us through the washing of the water and the Word, Ephesians 5, just like the bride, then he begins to purify us and sanctify us and set us apart in our mind, will, and emotions. And we have to die to our own desires, die to our own lusts, die to our own wants, die to what we think we want to do and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to do what he purchased us for. And that is to adorn us as a bride, to send us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to... Say a prayer and they're okay. Teaching them to obey all that I commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. If you're the true children of God, he is with us. If you are the true children of God, he's out in front of you. He's leading you. He's guiding you. He goes before and prepares for you. But if you're still doing it in culturanity or religion or your own works, your own way, and pretending, then the devil is deceiving you. There has to be surrender. So whoever has a heart that thinks that they can practice sin, continue in sin, walk in sin, and God is going to wink at it, is in very much trouble at the heart of their Christian walk. Because God does not wink at sin. God, God is serious about sin. God was going to cast everybody into hell about sin. And he sent his son to die an atoning death for their sin. And that blood is being trampled underfoot by so many. Because we ignore and are led away 
by uh, bad teaching? Sometimes, yes. Led away by the flesh, the desires of the flesh. And when it's full-blown, James says, it brings forth death. So don't, let, don't tell me and don't tell God when you get to the throne room, well, the pastor said, where my husband said, well, they said, it's not going to work. You're led away by your own desires, what you want to do. So if you don't do it God's way where you die to self, then self, sin, and Satan is still leading you and not the Spirit of God. It's so important. I, get, I got a text and said, are you Spirit-filled? No, I'm Spirit-led. I'm not Spirit-filled. I'm Spirit-led. It's just that simple. There's a, there's a big, huge difference between being Spirit-filled and Spirit-led because the Bible clearly says as many as or the children of God are led by the Spirit. And spirit-filled can mean any number of things. What spirit? Whose spirit? Some people are walking around scared to death of COVID. Scared to death of death. And that's the number one thing Jesus died for. We have victory over death. We have life. We're not no longer living in death. We were born dead. Now we're running around alive going, listen, there's hope. The Bible clearly says God has not given us a spirit of fear. So there's other spirits out there we can be filled with, but one of power and love and a sound mind. So we go out in power with the love of God, sharing the truth of God so other souls can be saved. And, and, and you know what? I don't deny your emotions. I don't deny your experiences. But... It's not about my emotions and my experience. It's about the truth of God's word. That's why the attack is on the word of God and what it says. And it tells us what the evidence looks like. It tells us what people will do if they are living for God and they have the spirit of God in them. And you have the hope in him coming back. Hope in eternal salvation. Then this is not my home anymore. This is not my body anymore. This is not me anymore. I've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And I should surrender to him if I'm truly saved and not rebel against his work, not quench his spirit, not grieve his spirit, not lie to his spirit, not insult his spirit. And I will add one more that is not in the Bible because he doesn't want attention. You don't bring attention to the spirit. The spirit's always pointing to Jesus. Jesus is always pointing to the Father. That's one of the key things of humility. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Jesus. And Jesus will say, it's not about me. The Father sent me. The Holy Spirit doesn't want any attention. The Holy Spirit wants you to obey. He doesn't want any attention. He says, this is because of Jesus' blood. I will just be here for you, humbly, as a servant, as a comforter, as a guide to teach you. He's the head servant of the house that doesn't get any attention. He just does what his master tells him to do in this sense. Yes, he's God. Jesus was God, but he did what the Father sent him to do. For this purpose, I was born. And he came and became an atoning sacrifice. Was he 100% God? Yes. 100% man? Yes. But in the Trinitarian relationship, he was doing what he was submitting to the Father's plan for. And the same thing goes for the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want that attention. And anytime you try to give that attention to him, other than in a 
exegesis of the scriptures to help people understand that's where the power comes from. That's where the guide comes from. The teaching comes from. Then he's going to resist that. Because it takes away from who Jesus is. But he's the only way you're going to be purified is if you get into the word prayer and fellowship, the washing and the cleansing. How does that happen, Greg? Well, how does soap work on your hands? There's going to be a little bit of friction. There's going to be some work. When you get into the word of God and the spirit of God teaches you something and you ignore it, you're not going to be purified. But when you listen to what he says and you say, oh, how do I do that? By your power, by your might, by your leading? Okay, I want to try that. I want to surrender to that. Then you're being cleansed. You're changing your desires. You're changing your mind. Isn't that what agree means? To agree with God? Oh, wait a minute. It says if you confess. So confess means to agree with God. I confess God, I'm a sinner, and you're not. I confess God, I'm a sinner, and that was wrong. And every time, 1 John 1, 9, that bar of soap comes out, and you confess, you're actually saying, I receive your instruction. I receive what you're saying. I was doing it wrong. My mind, will, and emotions as a little child needs to be retrained in how to do this, God, because the devil and the world and sin nature has lied to me. And now I want to try to be a child in your arms, a little born-again one abiding in your house, and when you say to do it, I want to receive the instruction, and I want to follow and be your child. I don't want to be a rebellious child anymore. I want to resist the devil. I want to resist the devil and his world system that is trying to scare everybody to death and lead them into one place, hell. But I don't want to rebel against God. I want to submit to God and resist the devil. So he who, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. Wait a minute, I'm not under law. Sin is lawlessness. What did Jesus say in 24, Matthew 24, 12? Lawlessness will abound. You know what the word means? It means wickedness. Wickedness, because there's God and there's the devil. God is perfectly righteous and the devil is wicked. God is perfect righteousness and purity and clean and holy. And over here you have the other government that is, that is rebelled against God. The original rebeller that, that wanted to be like the Most High God. It means unrighteousness. So if God said in the garden... Of everything you may freely eat, you may enjoy perfect fellowship with me, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you will surely die. One rule. What would be the one thing that was unrighteous and wicked in the garden? To do what God said not to do. And when they did, you and I receive the Adamic race, the, 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 the nature of Adam, sin nature. One man died. Do you guys ever think about that? One man died, and through that man, sin entered the race. Not to a woman. Did you notice that in the Christmas story when we talked about the birth of Jesus, that there wasn't a Holy Spirit overshadowing another spirit? The Holy Spirit overshadowed, put his seed in a woman. So therefore, the sin nature that entered the world through a man did not enter through a woman. Does not come to the mother of the child, but comes to the father. So there's two fathers. There's the father of all lives and there's the father who sent his son to die and put his seed in us. And now we carry the Christ. 
And if that seed is allowed to grow, we're going to see it in a minute, it's the word sperma. That seed is in us, and it's truly in us. It's going to naturally grow like the Father nature if we surrender. Because the power is not His problem. He's got all power. The ability is not His problem. It's us not understanding the instruction or continuing to rebel against destruction because we like the false cults. We like the false teaching. We like the teaching that says that all I have to do is say one prayer and I'm going to be okay. We like the false teaching that says you're in like Flynn just because you said a prayer. Is that the Bible? Why did all those who hardened their hearts in the wilderness lay dead except for Caleb and Joshua? When they disobeyed by faith what God told them to do. Why did everybody die? Culturanity. The same way the nation of Israel were preaching a false gospel and they missed the Messiah. They crucified the Messiah. Don't worry, it wasn't a, it, it wasn't a mistake. Don't worry, it wasn't outside of God's sovereignty. He knew what they were going to do when He came. He knew they were going to say, He's got to die. He knew they were going to choose Barabbas. The amazing thing is Barabbas means son of the father. And they chose the wrong father. The same thing the church is doing today. Choosing the wrong authority. Choosing the wrong gospel. And then we say that we're okay because somebody handed us a gospel that said if you say a prayer, you're okay. Oh, I believe that statement. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But there's evidences. And by the way, Romans 10, 9, and 10, that's a marriage ceremony. Two people agree to the same set of facts at the same time and both say, I will. The problem is only God can keep his part. And the only way you can keep your part is die to your sin nature and let him renew your mind. Let him change your desires. That's your only way. It has to be his power working through you. It cannot be what you do. It has to be what he's doing. The focus has to be upon him. If he's lifted up, he will draw all men to himself. Not if some church or some person or some rock star pastor has a really good sermon Do you, do you guys understand that a pastor can actually be the best teacher on the planet and be from the devil? How did he listen to the devil if he wasn't a good preacher? She didn't have a sin nature then. She was in the per per perfect paradise and was deceived by good words. But were they God's words? Were they the best words? My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. There's a relationship going on where purification is happening quite naturally because you're abiding in his house. And if you're in his house, you need to obey his rules because he's a good father and he's got nothing bad for you. Everything that he's doing is purifying and perfecting you to get you across the finish line. And the only problem you have is your own nature, your own will that continues to resist what he's doing in your life. And then we blame it on the devil. That's his greatest plan. Look at the book of Job. 
Blame it on the devil. The fire of God come down. The storm of God. Everything was God's fault. No, God's the one who's good in this restoration, this redemption. God's the one that has every perfect plan for you, yet we want to follow man's, which is easier, and I don't have to do anything, and I can enjoy my sin. But when you stay in the pig pen, you don't come to your senses. When you think it's okay to stay and your target is no longer righteousness, you stay in the pig pen. Well, I'm saved because I believe in the blood of Jesus. Really? Where's the evidence? Let's put you on trial. That's what Paul says. And people get mad when you say that. Don't judge me, man. Well, I'd rather judge you now than let God judge you later. And then it's too late. It's appointed a man die once and then comes the judgment. And you get cast into hell. And you've had your ladder against the wrong wall. My call as a preacher and an evangelist is to challenge you now to put yourself on trial. And Paul says, test yourself, try yourself, prove yourself to see if you're in the faith. Right here, if you're hoping in Jesus, are you trying to purify yourself? Are you focusing on practice and righteousness? Well, what's righteousness, Greg? Really? That's a good question. It's Jesus. Or, in layman's terms, it's right living before God. Well, what's right living? Well, get into the word prayer and fellowship and let him tell you. Don't let some pastor tell you with his fancy book where he's merchandising the church. Get in the word of God and ask God what is right for you. Because what's right for you might not be the same for me. God might not want me to do certain things because he knows that it will trigger something in my flesh that's supposed to be dead. Think about what he did when, if you're reading through Genesis with us, when Lot got captured by the four kings. Before Abram ever went with his 300, and what was it, like 13 servants, 18? I'm just like amazed. I'm like, okay, why do you need to say 300? No, because he wanted you to know exactly the number of people that these five kings couldn't defeat these four. But this, with God on their side, Abram sent the entire armies to flight. But my point is this, before he goes, God visits with him and says, don't take a dime. Because if you take any money, then they'll say that they made you rich. Don't take nothing from the world. Don't take nothing from these kings. And he told him beforehand, and then when the battle was over, he hadn't even won the battle yet. He comes back, and they offer all this world to him, all that glitters and all this. And he says, no thanks, just give these guys that went with me here, restore what they spent, but don't give me nothing. He didn't want nothing from the world. See, because the world is going to entice you and deceive you. Are we in it? We're not of it. Are we in it? We're not of it. The focus is on where I'm going, not on where I'm at. The focus is on who I'm living for and what I'm practicing. What are you practicing? This is really good. I was thinking about it. I'm like, how do you get this across? Oh, I want to be a football player, so I'm out practicing baseball. Man, I'm going to be a football player when I grow up. You wait and see. I'm getting taller. i got some new shoes. I'm running faster. What are you going to do today? I'm going to go practice baseball. Really? That's going to help you? Maybe that much. So think about it. I'm going to heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven. I believe all those truths, but what am I practicing? See, I'm saved today. I have all the power of the kingdom of God today. I have all the inheritance today. But I'm practicing what the world's practicing? 
I'm doing what they're doing and I think I get to go there. I'm not practicing for my new house. I'm not practicing for my new home. I'm not practicing doing the will of God. So you think he's really going to let you rule and reign with him in the millennial kingdom? If you're not practicing obeying him now? No, everybody's rewarded for their works committed in the body, even after you're saved. What are you practicing? And that's the focus. Notice the focus shifts. Don't commit sin. Don't practice sin. Don't do it. It means to remain in it and think that you're okay. See, when your heart, remember the prodigal son, he hadn't done nothing yet. But he came to his senses. And he said, my father's got all these servants, and I'll gladly be one of his unprofitable servants and just eat what he's got at their table. He takes good care of them. And, and as he started to go toward home, what did the father do? The father came running. The father's waiting to draw near if we'll get into the word prayer and fellowship, but we'll surrender and stop chasing this world. What are you practicing? Practicing the American dream? Sorry, it's been hijacked. It no longer has God as the center of it, so it's no longer the American dream. Are you practicing the gospel? Be careful, been hijacked. It's called culturanity now. It's got a whole lot of things in it, but they all are included with the devil, just like the nation of Israel was hijacked. And they stopped listening to God. They made up their own rule book, their own dress codes. And when the Messiah was standing right in front of them, when truth incarnate was in front of them, they go, he's a liar. He's born in sin. He's of his father, the devil. And they were totally upside down, weren't they? They were totally wrong, weren't they? Listen to me. Listen to me, because there's a bunch of religious rulers in Christianity today that's telling people to do things. And you know what Jesus says to the religious rulers, the Sanhedrin of the day? He said, you're of the father of the devil, John 8, 44. He said, you're of the father of the devil. They were the ruling authorities. The people were listening to them. They were buying their manuscripts, their books. They were listening to their teaching. They were going every Sunday to sit in their pulpits. And they were the guys walking around pretending with a phylacteric on their head and everything else. And Jesus come and said, you're of your father the devil. Is it happening again? Can it happen again? Could you follow a liar? If it feels good to your flesh, yeah, let's just dress like that. Let's just put a shirt on that says Christian here. Don't have to do anything on the inside. You just look like it on the outside. Don't have to be purified as he is pure. Don't have to stop committing and living in sin. It's okay. Just don't, don't judge me, man. Really? Jesus is going to one day. Do you want to meet him? Do you want to be like him when you meet him or him to say, be away from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness and wickedness. Sin is lawlessness. Sin is wickedness. Sin is ignoring and rebelling against what God's word says. They only had one word. Don't eat of that tree. And yes, please listen to me. Jesus died. And yea, rose again. He paid for our sin nature. And he has given us a new nature if we believe that in our heart and confess it with our mouth. We are betrothed to him as chaste virgins. And one day we can sit down at a banqueting table and enjoy all of that. Because that's all he longs for is fellowship. But you can do it today. And if you do it today, then there's going to be evidence and proof that the Holy Spirit is in you. That is leading you in the right direction and not the wrong direction back out there. 
And that's why the Sunday meeting or the Bible study meeting is for the equipping of the saint. So that you can go back out there and live the same way in front of the copy machine every single week and tell people about Jesus. Because if they don't hear about Jesus, they don't have any hope. That list of people I gave you, about nine long of dying, two of them committed suicide. But there's thousands and thousands of people committing suicide every day. Young and old. The suicide rate in school-age children is at an alarming rate. And yet we sit around and it's okay for the world to watch. What is it? Something ways to kill yourself? What is it? 13 ways? Some movie on Netflix and the children are watching it. They're allowed to get to it. We sit around and listen. Here, let me just, let me just, just make a bunch of people mad. We sit around and watch stuff like The Chosen. And we go, oh, I understand Jesus so much now because it fills in the blanks for me. God didn't want to fill in the blanks. He wants you to walk by faith. Listen to me. Faith. And if you add to the gospel, he's going to add the plagues of the Bible to you. You guys with me? What's his, na- what's his name that's doing that, that's writing that? Uh, Jerry Jenkins' son. Jerry Jenkins and Tim LaHaye wrote the Left Behind series. What's his name? Marshall? Marshall Jenkins, I think, maybe, is the guy's name. You know what he did? He went out and hooked up with a bunch of Mormons. And he says, Mormons are following the same Jesus that we're following. And they're filming the chosen in a Mormon studio. And they're filling in the blanks and they're leading millions of people to hell because those millions of people think they understand Jesus better by a movie in the world instead of the word prayer and fellowship and death to self. I can just so understand it now because if I could have walked with him, and I'm sorry to act like that, but I'm a theatrical person. It drives me absolutely crazy that we'll watch the chosen and we don't know the word of God good enough to see that it's a lie. We don't look at the root. We want to act like it's got fruit. When the root comes from hell, then the fruit is bad. It's fruit of the poisonous tree. Just like everything else that comes from the devil. It comes from the poisonous tree. That's original sin. Mormons, I don't care how good of parents and how good of children they have, they're going to hell if they don't repent and believe in the Jesus of the Bible. just that simple and if you read the word of God and look at the word of God you'll find that out yet most of Christianity is all up in arms over the chosen because they love to watch TV they love to be led by the world they love to chase what feeds the flesh and be entertained when we're supposed to be dead to self and nobody's perfect at it but we're being purified as he is pure We're being perfected because that's the mark. It's no longer this archery term where I pull back the bow and I shoot at the mark and it falls dead. I should be practicing righteousness where I'm hitting the mark because I'm listening to the instructor. And he says, wait a minute, aim it a little bit over that way. Move it that way. Now pull. And he hits the mark every single time because I'm listening to his instructions. Because he gave me his perfect righteousness. And then he convicts me. The Holy Spirit convicts me. If I just go bam, bam, and shoot a whole bunch of arrows, he's like, dude, that was wrong. Now I'm trying to make him a little bit easier because he's not using the word dude. 
But he's going, oh, I love you. Don't do that. This pig pen is not the place where you should be eating these pods. That's for the unclean. You are now cleaned. You're being washed. You're being re renewed. You're being, your mind is being renewed. Quit eating what they're eating and start eating what I provided for you in the Father's house. Word, prayer, fellowship. That's what God provided for us. That's what the early church was. And I would not say in that order. I would say prayer first because he said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all nations. He didn't say it would be a house of the word. But now who am I praying to? I get in the word and I find out the unchanging God and what he's doing. And then I come back and have fellowship. After I've had fellowship with him, I can have fellowship with you. And we can encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. That's right. I couldn't get done with six verses. Impossibility. Who are you hoping in? Look at this. Let's just read it again. Whoever practices, whoever doeth, meaning many times, continuing in it, not concerned about it, even when the Holy Spirit says don't do that, even when the Word of God clearly has a do not trespass sign. Ten Commandments. Do not trespass. Even when it's clear what the sign says, we go, ah, it'll be okay, I'll apologize later. I'm under the grace of God. Listen, the penalty and the power is gone, but nobody with the Spirit of God and being led by the Spirit of God is going to have an attitude like that. So you know now that the evidence is, is that, whoa, that's a flesh. And you don't know when you're in the flesh unless you're looking at the evidences. If you begin to not care about people or you don't care about the Word of God or you have no desire for the Word of God, I can guarantee you you're in the flesh. If you have no desire to be purified, I can guarantee you in the flesh. I'm not guaranteeing you're not saved. I'm just saying you're insulting the Holy Spirit because that's all He wants to do in you. He sealed you. He wants to wash and cleanse you. And He's going to do that as you pray, be dependent upon God. You get into the Word of God and learn what truth is so that you can receive truth and eject the soil, the unclean, the pods from the pigs. And quit following it. Quit obeying the lust of it. I had so many places I wanted to take you. And I said, ah, okay, Lord, I'll trust you. We'll just get up there. And you know that he was manifested. He appeared. He came to do what? To take away our sins. Our practice of sin. Our sin nature. And in him there is no sin. Remember? He's purifying us, but he's pure. No sin in him. Perfect righteousness. He, he hasn't practiced any of, of the, the sin, even though he was tempted in every way, yet without sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. If you're going to say up there before, little children abide in him, that was the command. And now if you begin to try to live in his house and practice righteousness, he says, Whoever abides, whoever lives, your abode is made with him. You do not practice sin. Can you stumble? Can you be led astray for a moment? You know, I always say, say stuff like David Kurish or these, these false leaders. Uh, the old one was Jimmy Jones. See, this is just a sad, sad situation. But if they were abiding in Christ, they wouldn't have followed a Jimmy Jones. If they were abiding in Christ, they wouldn't have followed a David Koresh. If they were reading the actual truth of what God was doing and who he was, there's absolutely no way 
that they would have followed such chaos and disaster. Still sad because of the liars. Still sad because of the souls lost. I'm just saying. Whoever abides in him. Where are you abiding at? What are you practicing? Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Listen, this, that right there kills. I said a prayer. You're supposed to be coming to know him. I hear his voice, he knows me, and I follow him. And that's how that relationship is built. Well, how am I going to see that? How am I going to do that? Word, prayer, and fellowship. Not just a word, not just prayer, not just fellowship, but all three coupled together, following the instruction and allowing other people to speak in your life and being willing to discuss it, being willing to be corrected. He who hates correction is brutish, King James. New King James, stupid. Stupid not to believe God's word. It's real stupid not to not be corrected and end up in hell. Verse 7. Little born again ones, little children, let no one deceive you. Notice the focus. He doesn't say anything about sin here. He who practices righteousness is righteous. That's the focus. We're supposed to focus on practicing righteousness. Why? Because we're righteous. Now let me practice how to do that. I, I'm a little bitty baby, and I see everybody else walking around the room. You ever see the little kid when you bring in like a two-year-old, and there's a five-year-old, and that little kid's like, oh, I get to do that someday. And they just you see their eyes light up. So you're practicing to do that. Right now, you're being held back a little bit because you're newborn, you're two, but you're maturing, you're being purified, so you get to go run with all the other. But it's not, the focus is not on the sin. Notice the focus was removed. Because see, if I would have wrote this, I would have said, little children, don't be deceived, don't practice sin anymore. But see, God wants you to look into heaven, not on the, the earth where the sin's at. So he says, do not be planeo, caused to stray, seduced, out of the way. That's what the word deceive means. He who practices, doeth, again, is the word. Righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. You want to be purified as he is pure? Then you find out what's right living before God. You begin to practice it, and then you're becoming practically as Christ is, righteous. Retrained in your mind, renewed in your mind. Proverbs 12, 2. What are you practicing? He who sins, notice it's plural, means continuing in sin, not worried about it. Your heart says it's okay because Christ already died. I can do what I want. I'm not even going to struggle with that. Oh, you know what? In Hebrews 12, oh, I was, I was looking at this. I just wanted to show you this real quick. Let me read it to you. Because see, you would say, man, I've been fighting with this sin forever. What if you're fighting with God because you're focused on the sin and not focused on righteousness? What if you're fighting with God? Just, just keep that in your mind that you could be fighting with God and what he's doing because you won't practice righteousness and you want to focus on the sin. Yeah, but I got this program. I'm not going to do it this year because I got a New Year's resolution and I'm going to resolve that I will not even drive down that road. Well, that's not going to do it. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can do it. 
Hebrews uh, 12, I alluded to that. I wanted to do the whole chapter with you, but I knew that this was already going to be too long uh, for most saints. But he says this in 12.4, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. Jesus did. Jesus shed all of his blood for sin. He did it for you. The power's gone. The penalty's gone. It's, it's no longer the problem. The problem is, is still whether we're going to be in rebellion and not obey righteousness, not practice righteousness. That's why he told us to go and teach and to baptize and then to teach them to obey because the focus needs to be on obeying God, submitting to God, not the devil, submitting to God and resisting the devil. The devil has no power unless he tricks you into focusing on him and sin and the world. But if you're focused on God and practicing righteousness, that's going to be removed just automatically because you're doing the right thing, because you're moving in the right direction, led by the Spirit. It's already all taken care of. Does that mean it won't rain or shine on you? It won't. You, you, oh, it happens to everybody. It means you'll react differently to when it rains on you. You'll react differently when your back hurts. You'll still be concerned about people when you're in pain. You'll still do the right thing because it comes out of the heart. You'll still say the right thing because it's out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks. Listen, focus on what you're practicing. And if you know in your heart that you are practicing something that is against God and it's lawlessness, that's wickedness. If you continue doing, you think you can keep it in your life and that you're never going to suffer for it, you're already suffering for it. You may not be punished for it because the punishment has been taken, but the devil is deceiving you and causing you to keep moving out of the way. And it will separate you from fellowship. It will separate you from the word. It will separate you from prayer. And it will keep you practicing sin and saying it's okay and liking the culturanity instead of uh, the blood of Jesus. He who sins is from the devil, is of the devil. He's the father. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the son of God was manifested. He appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. Getting ready to close. First of my 14 closings. It means to destroy or unloose, to loosen. I mean, the bonds are taken off, but you have to choose to believe the truth. The devil has no power. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Doeth no sin. Doeth, again, or committeth no sin. It's all the same thing. It's in what you're practicing. Are you practicing righteousness? Are you doing right? Looking to do right? Finding out what is right and the will of the Lord? Or continuing to just follow what preachers say? Continuing just follow what the next number one bestseller says? Listen to me. Listen to me. Get in the Word. Have a relationship with God. Be led by the Spirit. If you are born of God, his seed, for his seed remains in you, in him, and he cannot sin. You cannot practice sin very long. Notice the prodigal son once again. He grabbed his stuff. He ran off in the world. He ended up in the lowest place in the pig pen. And he said, wait a minute. I'm a child of God. Wait a minute. My father's house has a lot better than this. I can't stay in here. 
I'm not going to stay in here. And he come to his senses. And I would say to you today, come to your senses. Begin reading the word of God and ask God how to practice righteousness, how to be led by the spirit. And stop following indoctrination of this world. And the world in that sense is all the systems or system that is diametrically opposed to God. That's what we're following. Peer pressure makes us do that. Pretty names on churches. But if that church is not preaching the truth of God's word, then you need to exit it. Shut it down. Is his seed remaining? His sperma? Just as Mary carried that seed and the Christ child grew up, that's what we're supposed to be doing. When the seed of God is going to bear fruit of righteousness. Positionally, we are righteous. Practically, we can be righteous. And one day, we're going to be removed from the very presence of this wickedness. The power is gone. The penalty is gone. And soon and very soon, the presence will be gone of sin. Father, pour out your spirit. And we pray that the enemy would not steal the seed of your word. We pray, Lord, that we would literally sit down with you and reflect on our life and what we are practicing. Is it what you have given us to practice in right living before you? Or is it what we've been taught by the world to practice? Or we want to be doers and not hearers only of your word, of your will and your ways. We want to see souls saved, and most importantly, our own soul, Lord, that we would not be deceived to be out of the way and think we're okay. So, Lord, we pray that uh, you would speak to us clearly and that we would obey. Pour out your spirit upon us in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear?